Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are privileged to start a new book. Um, and even though, according to the traditional order of the books of the prophets, after the study of Jeremiah, which we all just completed together, the next logical book would be that of Ezekiel. However, I am choosing to study the book of Daniel. Um, the reason why I choose this, to be honest, Ezekiel is a long book, and Jeremiah was very long, and I wanted to pick something a little bit shorter. Daniel will still take us a nice bit of time. There's a, there's a lot in it. It's not super short, but it's a lot shorter than Ezekiel. But also, more importantly than that, I am choosing Daniel because of the chronology. Uh, we spent a lot of time studying Jeremiah about the final days of the Judean Empire and the fall of the Judean Kingdom to uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonians. We learned about how during the kingdom of Jehoiakim, uh, uh, the king of Judah, how he rebelled against Babylon and that Babylon came and attacked and took Jehoiakim's uh, successor, Jehoiachin, into exile, um, and many other of the prominent Jewish people uh, from uh, the land of Judah, of Judea, with them into exile. But then he, but he allowed a vassal king, Tzidkiyo, to remain in place in the temple to remain in place until they rebelled again, and then he attacked again. Since the story of Daniel is the story of someone, of one of those individuals who was taken captive of by Nebuchadnezzar during his first uh, attack against Judea, and, and, and the story of how Daniel became adjusted to living as a, as a Jew in exile in Babylonia, I thought it would be fitting to follow the book of Jeremiah with the book of Daniel. Uh, but as we go through this, I might reference this a little, uh, several more times, the question as to the authorship of Daniel, of the book, is, um, is out there. There's a lot, of, a lot of scholarly discussion regarding this. The Jewish tradition has it that the book of Daniel was assembled into its current form during the days of what is known as the men of the great assembly. The men of the great assembly are the rabbis who led the Jewish people from the uh, time of the late Babylonian exile, just prior to the building of the Second Temple, for some 250 to 300 years or so into the period of the Second Temple, after which began the rule of, of um, uh, after which the men of the Great Assembly uh, uh, dispersed the, the remainder, the last one of which we know um, as, as Shimon HaTzadik, who was one of the high priests, Simon the Righteous, uh, who lived somewhere around 250 to 300 BCE, uh, would have been the end of that period. So during that period of time, which is a long period of time, when the men of the Great Assembly were the religious and spiritual leaders of the people, this is when the book of Daniel was assembled. So therefore, according to our tradition, it wasn't actually necessarily written word for word from beginning to end by Daniel himself, although parts of it are 
written by him, parts of it might have been written about him, parts of it might have been students or those that learned from him that wrote down the teachings and the stories and happenings of Daniel, and then it became assembled in its current form uh, several hundred years later. Uh, regardless, this is, in our, according to tradition, this is the book that tells us the story of Daniel, many important teachings of Daniel, many important prophecies of his. Uh, and another thing to know from our tradition is that Daniel is considered a uh, lesser level prophet. Um, in other words, he's not a one who spoke directly to God, but did receive visions from God and so on. All that aside, this story is a beautiful one. And there are many deliberate parallels between the story of Daniel and the biblical story of Joseph. As we read through them, they'll become extremely obvious. Um, both were young men that were taken away from home against their will and brought to a new country. Both eventually became adopted into uh, the, the household and the uh, audience of the king and both eventually achieved high levels in the, in, uh, with the, uh, uh, in the king's government. And um, both were known to be very handsome, good-looking. They were both known to uh, have incredible interpersonal skills and abilities to understand how to talk to other people and how to get along with others and earn their respect and honor. And both had the unique ability to interpret the dreams of others. The ability to interpret dreams is a unique special one, which can be presented as a spiritual or uh, something above and beyond uh, normal human understanding, something that comes directly from God. But we also know that the ability to interpret the dreams of others is really about the ability to understand other people, to understand what drives them, to understand what's meaningful to them, to understand the way that person looks at the world, interprets the world, looks at themselves, interprets themselves, and then take those visions and understand and, and um, appreciate what their dreams mean and what they are and relate it back to them in a way that makes sense to them. And both Joseph and Daniel possess this unique ability. After that, this brief introduction, let's get on with the study of the first chapter of Daniel. Bishnat shalosh l'malchut Yehoyakim in Melach Yehuda, during the third year of the reign of the kingdom of Yehoyakim, the king of Judah, Bad Nebuchadnezzar, Melach Babel, Yerushalayim, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem by Yatzar Allah, and he laid siege to it. I am really not going to spend a lot of time uh, dealing with the chronologies, because it, it, from other places, it would seem that it was really in the fourth year of Yehoiakim's reign, not in the third year. And there's other discrepancies of dates, which are even bigger than this one. There's commentaries upon commentaries upon commentaries that try to explain why this, uh, there is this discrepancy. I'm not going to go into that. To me, the story, the teachings are what's important. Uh, the historical context is important to the extent that it helps us understand what is, what is meaningful about the story and what we can learn from it. 
those pieces, those bits of meaning are in the text themselves, and we can draw them out from the text themselves. So forgive me if I don't spend a long time delving into discrepancies such as dates and things like that. Verse 2, And God put in his hand, in other words, he conquered, at Yehoyakim Yehuda, Yehoyakim, the king of Judah, and some of the vessels of the house of God, of the temple, and he brought them back to the land of Shinar. Shinar is an ancient name for the land which is now occupied by the kingdom of Babylon, to the house of his God. Excuse me. And the vessels that he had taken from the holy temple, he took Beit Otsar Elohav to the treasury of his God um, as, as, as captive booty. Now he has all these captives that he just brought back from Judea, and as was common custom among conquering nations in those days, he did the following. He told the man named Ashpenaz, who was the head of his Sarisim. The word Saris literally means eunuch, but over time, uh, and because eunuchs were generally uh, appointed as, as loyal uh, assistants, officers of the king. Um, how, however, over time, the word Saris evolved from meaning a eunuch to meaning just a high officer in the king's house that may or may not have actually been a eunuch. So I'm just going to translate Sarav Sarisov, the head of his officers. Whether or not this man was actually a eunuch is not really relevant to the story. So he, so he asked him to do the following. I want you to, to bring me, of, of these new captives we just got back from Judea, bring me some of the, some of the young men, some of the children of the noble families, some of the nobility, Bring them to me because I want to train them in my ways. We can get some, we can indoctrinate them in the ways of, of Babylon and make them a part of my household and, um, and a part of my government. Um, and I, specifically, I want people that fit the following description as in verse 4 Yeladim Asher'in Bohem Kolmum, young men, boys. He didn't want old, older men that have already. Uh, you know, grown in the ways of Judea, and are, are, he wants to be able to raise them as Babylonians. So, young boys that do not have any physical blemishes, Vitove Mara, they should be uh, 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 good in appearance, handsome, they should be very smart in all kinds of wisdom, they should understand knowledge, or they should know a lot of knowledge, is. is with knowledge of things, of facts, and they should also understand, uh, I'm going to translate mata as science, even though what we conceive of today as science is not the same thing as what they would have conceived it of then, but they understand knowledge, they understand how things work in the world, and also they should be physically strong. They should also have the strength to stand in the king's presence, um, the the, uh, the king's officers would have to stand by the throne throughout the day and stand for long periods of time. They need to be physically strong in order to do that. I want you to teach them all of the book knowledge and the language of the Chaldeans, which is nowadays known as cuneiform writing. We know there's thousands upon thousands of tablets that have been 
excavated and discovered and they're scattered across museums around the world, written in the language of the Chaldeans, which was a complex language, but, but one with, in which um, much history and much knowledge was recorded. I want you to teach them this language so that they know it and that they understand it. And the king set aside for them daily rations, from the patbag. Bag is a Babylonian word that we don't really know what it means. Pat is a portion, usually refers to a portion of bread, but patbag is a portion of a meal from the king's meals, and a portion of the wine from which the king used to drink, so it was quality wine. And to raise them for three years, and from them, we, it will be obvious who the stars are, who the outstanding ones are, and they will be then appointed to stand before the king to serve the king. So we'll give, we'll give, we'll make sure they have good food, good wine, uh, the training and and study and learning. Um, they'll know how to read and write and. Um, and uh, these are the ones that are uh, that will stand in front of me to serve me by Ibrahim ibn Yehuda, and among these children that were taken were sons of Judah, in other words, Judeans from the tribe of Judah. The following four young men: Daniel, one by the name of Daniel; Hanania, one by the name of Hanania; Mishael, Azariah, Naziah. Those were the four boys of Judah that were taken among these young men to be trained. In this manner, the first thing he did, of course, was give them Babylonian names. These Hebrew names, these Jewish names—that's not; those aren't good names for uh, uh, someone who's going to be in the Babylonian court. We have to give them Babylonian names. He named Daniel Belshazzar, within which. Baal is one of the names of the Babylonian gods. Vilchanania Shadrach. He called him Shadrach. Ulamishoel Meshach. Ulaazariah. Vilaazariah Aved Nago. He called him Aved, the servant of Nago. So they had um, foreign names with names of foreign gods mixed into their names, given to them good Babylonian names for what for young men that are now going to be trained to be good Babylonian officers and officials. However, this food presumably contained the portions contained meat and other foods which were not kosher. And here we see the first challenge uh, recorded of a Judean being sent into exile and being asked not only to change his name and his language, but also to start eating food which would otherwise have been prohibited to him. Food which is not kosher, food which was not slaughtered properly, not prepared properly, or possibly even food from animals that are not considered kosher for a Jewish young man to eat. And here we see the challenge of how do we now live when we're not in our own country anymore. Now, and in an even worse case, in his scenario, he wasn't even in his own home. He was in the home of the king. He didn't have a choice. So he had several choices. He could say, well, I don't have a choice. I'm forced to do it. I have to do it. What could I do? But Daniel was smart, and he said, without endangering my life, maybe I can figure out a way around this, figure out a way to maintain my values, my way of life, and my religious beliefs, even under these circumstances. 
That's why it says in verse 8, Vayosem Daniel Alibo. And Daniel made it clear in his heart. He said to himself, Asher lo al hamelach I do not want to be defiled. I don't want my body to be defiled with this king's food or the wine that the king drank. Now this wine was clearly wine that was used in also in, and, and, and made and fermented for the purpose of serving the, uh, uh, the gods of Babylon and and for and and as parts of parties and worship that were for the gods of Babylon, which would have meant that this wine is prohibited as well. I so he made up his mind not to, but now he just had to figure out a plan. So the first thing he did was he asked permission. He goes to the chief officer who's in charge of training the young men and said, "I don't want to eat this food. Let me have have my own food." And because Daniel was a person who presented himself in such a charming way, uh, and, and he knew how to speak with people, Daniel, this sounds so familiar to what we find with Joseph, Daniel uh, uh, dispo- uh, placed, God placed Daniel in front of him, in a way that he gained uh, kindness and mercy from before the chief officer. In other words, rather than blow up and be angry, he saw that Daniel was sincere and honest and and, and he, he was well disposed towards Daniel wanting to grant him his favor. However, by Yomer Sarisim with Daniel, Sarisim was still honest with Daniel. He said, I am afraid of my master the king. He set aside your food portions and your drink portions because he wanted you to grow and be healthy and strong. Why would it be that he's going to end up, how could I allow it that he'll end up seeing your faces um, uh, weak and, 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 and tired and not well nourished? If you don't eat this food, less you're, you're going to look unhealthier than normal men your, your age. And the king is going to assume that I'm not taking care of you. Maybe that I'm even stealing the food for myself and not giving you proper food. And I'll end up being beheaded. My life will be in jeopardy. I, it's my job to make sure that you have healthy food. So Daniel is a smart man, smart young man. And he realizes that he can't, the Saras or Isim, the head officer in charge of them, can't officially do anything. But sometimes there's ways, hint, hint, wink, wink, that you can find the Saras or Isim can't put himself in danger. But the Saras or Isim, the head master, appointed a cook, um, a, a, uh, uh, a, a chef, to prepare the food for the for the young men and to actually feed them. And Daniel thought, well, maybe I can make a deal on this side. So instead of going to the chief, Daniel went El HaMelzar, Vayomer Daniel El HaMelzar, which in modern Hebrew means a waiter. In this context, it seems like more the one that the chief officer made in charge of actually distributing the food, the chief officer being in charge of all the training, of the learning, and so he probably had to hire special teachers to teach how to write, to teach how to read, to teach certain disciplines and subject matter, and also somebody to be in charge of the food. So Daniel went to him, the one who was in charge, Al Daniel Hanani Mishal Vazaria, over those four young men. 
And he said, Test out your servants for 10 days. Give us from the vegetables, from the, some translate this as legumes, as beans, which would be a nice, good source of vegetable protein. And we'll eat that. And we just need water, and we could drink that. We don't need wine. We don't need this fancy meat. Just give us salad, vegetables, beans. Try it out for 10 days. The king's not going to see us for a while. 10 days you can try it out. And then you'll see after 10 days how healthy we are. And how the other boys that are eating the king's portions. Let's see who looks healthier. And you'll see if we look as healthy as them or if they look healthier than us, then you can decide the pot pot. And he listened to this idea. And he tested them out for 10 days to see what would happen. The verse 15, And when these 10 days were up, they looked very good. They looked fine and healthy. Even healthier. And it was a thing that looked even, even fatter. Not fat in a unhealthy sense, but fatter meaning they looked, their bodies looked filled out more than all the other children who were eating the portions of the king. So, Daniel, of course, was smart enough to orchestrate it in such a way that there was something in it for this waiter, for this chef. So, so now, the food was still being given to this waiter to feed the boys. He would take home all this extra meat and wine to his family and enjoy the, the good food, those portions that were meant for the boys, and he would get away with feeding these boys just seeds and beans, anything that's planted, vegetables, fruits, so on. So the young men were, were, were vegetarians, and uh, the rest of them ate meat. This is... Uh, you know, this would be definitely a, a, a supportive argument for the health value of eating fruits and vegetables and the fruit of the ground and not eating um, daily meat and also for avoiding the, the high contents of alcohol that the other kids would have been consuming in the wine. Verse 17, Now these four boys that were now growing up in this environment of training, Nasan Lohem Elohim, God gave them Madova Haskel Bukhal Sefer Vikachma. Literally that means knowledge and proficiency in all of the books and all of the wisdom. So the, the Daniel and his and his three friends had now gained lots and lots of knowledge. They were able to read and write, they were able to speak the language of the Babylonians, they were able to study through all of the books books and gain all kinds of knowledge about the world, about history, about whatever they knew of the natural sciences in those days, and they became extremely wise in all these areas. However, Daniel had something above and beyond that. Not only did he know all of this and know all of this science, the Daniel, he even understood more. He understood visions and dreams. Now, most of the commentaries assume that this means that he had spiritual knowledge of God and that this was the, the, the knowledge of the divine spirit or the knowledge of prophecy, which he had achieved, but not the other three young men. 
And it does mean that to the extent that understanding Chazon V'chalamos, people's dreams and visions, is, is, uh, does come from that faith, that special, special relationship that Daniel had and understood with his God that he did not abandon, even though he was now stuck in this foreign alien environment. However, I'm going to posit and state that I think that this Daniel Haven, his understanding, really means something really more than that. It's more than divine knowledge. How could that possibly be? What do I mean by more than divine knowledge? A person who really, is, you can have a scientist that knows all of the science, but he doesn't get it. He doesn't get how it works with people, how to apply it to real relationships, how to look at another person and understand what it is that makes that person tick, what it is that that person needs, wants, looks for, understands, thinks, dreams about. Clearly, dreams about is important. Daniel was one who was able to understand that. And we're going to see over and over again throughout this book how this special, special, unique skill of Daniel was put in place. Does um, so, and, and we've already seen it. Daniel understood how to manipulate the system in order to get what he did in a way that everybody liked him. He was able to present himself to the chief officer when he realized that that wasn't the way to get away with it. Then he made it, he struck a deal with the uh, with the uh, Meltzar, with the chef, which was a win-win situation deal where no one's going to get in trouble and everybody gains. He knew how to use people's um, dreams, to use people's visions, to use people's needs and desires in order to make sure that everyone is happy and that he was able to continue in his, in his um, quest to be a better person. Let's look at verse 18. And when the time had come, which was the three-year period of time that the king said to bring the young men in front of the king to decide which ones will be chosen, so then the chief officer brought all of the young men before Nebuchadnezzar. The king spoke to all of them in order to determine which ones he wanted. From all of them, he did not find any that was as good as these four young men, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Vayamdulaf, Nehemelech, and they were chosen to be the ones to stand in front of the king. This next verse is key, verse 20. There's various sources of knowledge. There's people that study knowledge and learn it and know it. There's people that study science and really study and really try to understand what's actually happening, from which they gain truth. It's a search for truth. When they study texts, they study texts to find the meaning in the text. What was the person really trying to say? What was the writer trying to mean? What were they trying to teach? And then there's also people that resort to sorcery and magic and, 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 and all sorts of, 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 of trickery and really nonsense in order to come up with predictions about the future and what God supposedly is saying and, and wants. These young men were trained in true, real knowledge. Behold, bar chokmat binan, everything that required knowledge and understanding, asher bikesh that the king requested of them when the king needed advice on any particular matter, he needed to know about how to relate to a certain country, they were able to draw upon their knowledge of the history of that particular place, the topography, the geography, the kind of people, the kind of weather, 
or whatever it was they had actual knowledge to draw upon to give him real advice. By him to aim and he found them to be Esaryados ten times as valuable. Al Kolakhartumim Washafim over all of the magicians and and necromancers or exorcists, Asher B'chol Machutot, or in all of his kingdom. The others, they would do all kinds of various uh, um, uh, ceremonies, making them seem real holy and burning incense and smoke and waving their hands and all kinds of magic. Their advice was useless. It was ten, uh, in comparison to the advice and the knowledge that he received from these young men who were well-educated. Daniel himself became so well respected that even after this kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, throughout the kingdom of Babylon, all the way down to the end of the kingdom, when Cyrus of Persia conquered Babylon, Daniel stood in the court. Daniel remained in the king's court all the way to the first year of King Cyrus of Persia. Um, that's a big jump ahead in history, but it's just saying this now to tell us how respected Daniel was of all of them that he remained in the king's court through for this king, for his son, and beyond that all the way until the days of the Persian kingdom. And that's the end of the first chapter of Daniel. Thank you so much for studying the first chapter of Daniel together. Looking forward to studying the, the entire book of Daniel together and of course beyond into the other prophets as well. Mm-hmm.